So as we get into uh, this morning's sermon, I wanted to uh, take a minute just to say a little bit about this sabbatical period and this time. We are uh, over this sabbatical period. I wanted to focus our worship times together uh, for Sundays to be a wonderful celebration of what God is doing in the diversity of our body. One way we'll do that is that we'll hear from ministry leaders and missionaries about their work in the community. So we're actually going to have these times, I'm just going to dub them mission moments. These little mission moments will make us aware of what God is doing in our midst and invite us to get involved to both serve the, the, the body, serve the church, and serve the world. Another way we'll be exposed to that diversity is through prayer. So we're, we're going to have, as we continue to become a praying church, we're going to have those who are prayer leaders lead us in aspects of prayer in service. Contemplative prayer leaders such as Bev Emerson, Vanessa and Troy Fenelson, Kim Crispino, they'll lead us in prayer in some of our services over summer. Uh, they'll lead us in encounters with Christ through prayer. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want that here when we come here on a Sunday morning? We want to encounter Christ. We want to be changed. And I believe these, uh, the diversity in our body, the prayer, is, will help us with that. To allow time for these practices, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shorten the sermons to 20 minutes. Don't smile too big. Don't smile too big. But yes, a compact 20 minutes, so we have some time on the front end, the back end for these practices. And finally, we're going to have a diversity of preachers. You'll hear from me, you'll hear from Pastor Ruth, Pastor Anna, uh, Alec Hill, and others from our community who will uh, preach the word to us. So, today, as we look forward to to experiencing more the diversity of our body, let me pray, let me pray for our message. Heavenly Father, you are, uh, you are pleased with the diversity of your body. You're pleased uh, to demonstrate it. But what's so beautiful about you is that in your diversity, you are unified. And that's what you want from your body. So keep, help us keep the unity. Help us to remain in you as you remain in us so that we may be unified and celebrate the diversity that you have gifted us with, Lord. We are so thankful and grateful today. Would you open up the ears of our hearts and our eyes to see your good work, your vine, your fruitfulness. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, up here we have, we have two plants. We have a rather fruitless and uh, dying plant and uh, a grapevine. So I want to ask the kids some questions. What can an uprooted plant do? Can it be fruitful? Can an unrooted plant even live? No. We'll leave that there. And let's go to here, this, this, the, the grapevine. Let's look. You, can't, you might not even be able to see it, but the grapevine has a woodstock. It, is, it actually is made of, it's not just vine, it's, it's, got a, it's got some wood. Do you think anything can be made from that wood? Like what? What can you make from that wood? A house? A boat? Do you think you can make that from this little tiny piece of wood? You can make paper. Oh, that's, geez, they're blowing up my sermon here. So the, 
the woodstock, it brings nutrients to the plant. But if even this rooted grapevine does not produce grapes, is it good for something? I'm wondering, even if this grapevine, which does not produce any fruit, what can it do? Do you remember what Jesus did to the, the fig tree that didn't produce fruit? Does anybody remember? What did he do to it? He cursed it. Why did he curse it? He cursed it because it was fruitless. That's what it was created to do. If a grapevine which is meant to produce fruit does not produce fruit, then is it even a grapevine? But if the grapevine does produce fruit, good fruit, then it shows itself to be what its maker intended. The grapevine. Seems pretty obvious, right? A grapevine that produces grapes is actually a grapevine. It feels very obvious, but that is actually the strength of what Ezekiel is saying in chapter 15. He's using the obvious that we seem to ignore to tell us what we ought to be. And that's what also Jesus in John 15 is trying to correct and open our eyes to that he is the true vine. So who are we and what are we to do? The grapevine this morning is our illustration to help us understand what Ezekiel and Jesus are both trying to tell us. Ezekiel and Jesus in both their chapter, or sorry, in Ezekiel 15 and John 15, you actually get staunch warnings from Ezekiel and Jesus in these chapters. They tell us, they give us warnings about being fruitless. They said that the plants, the, the grapevine, will be just given over to fire for what good are they? Ezekiel, a priest who loves the people, but is also a prophet, tells them hard truths. And he gets right at the heart of the matter by talking about the wood of the vine. He's the only prophet that talks about the wood of the grapevine. It's very interesting. And he asks, can anything be made of this wood? You see, trees of the forest, they're thick and they're hard. And you can, they have many uses. You can mill them down into boards and you can manipulate them and make all sorts of furniture, all sorts of things. This theater is made out of wood from the forest. Vine wood, on the other hand, you really can't make anything out of it. All it's good for is supporting the branches and bringing the nutrients to them so that they can produce fruit. If grapevines do not produce grapes, then what good is the wood? Israel was to be the vine wood which other nations grafted themselves onto to be rooted in the soil of the one true God. The problem was Israel had uprooted itself from God and was good for nothing else than to be burned. And historically, this is true. In 597 BC and in 587 BC, two separate incidences where the Israelites were being pulled out of Jerusalem and exiled, the city was burned two times on both ends. 
Israel was not a fit to be the vine wood. We neither are fit to be the vine wood, which supports the branches and produces the fruit. That is what God had intended, but it bared itself out that that could not be so. So what are we to do? What can we do? Well, Israel and we are unable to be the vine wood, so God, in his love for us, sends his only begotten son to be for us. And this is where we get into John. This is where we get into John 15. John 15 says, Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is the true vine, and Jesus is the wood which supports the whole plant and redefines the purpose of the vine wood. Now, any and all branches may be grafted and graft themselves onto the vine and become a branch of this wood. And in and through this, Jesus says, when you remain in me, when you graft yourself to me, when you are rooted in me, you will be fruitful. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Is a plant known by what it does not produce? Is a disciple known by what they do not produce? No. No, we must be fruitful to show who we are. And to be fruitful, we must be rooted in Jesus. Here's a question I want to just pose to us this morning that I think is probably a central question around which Ezekiel and Jesus are kind of swirling around. It's this. How will the world know that you follow Jesus Christ? How will the world know that you follow Jesus Christ? In John 15, there is so many, there's so many answers to this question that Jesus is trying to teach. But if I'm going to keep this to a promised 20-minute sermon, I can only focus on a few. So I'm going to focus on the ones written in your bulletin this morning. Here's the first. Only those who are rooted and remain in Christ can be fruitful. Jesus says in, in John 15, 4, remain in me. Also, I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus Christ must be your Lord and Savior for you to produce fruit that has any longevity and makes an internal difference in the lives of others. And I know that that is blasphemous in our culture to say that we must root ourselves in one person and in and through that person, that is the only place that fruitfulness will come. I know that. I know that that is not popular. I know that we live in a time of relative truth. But if we are to follow what Scripture says, then it is only by being grafted and remaining in Jesus Christ that we can be fruitful. You can work hard. You can be good. You can be creative. You can be all things to all people. But if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, Jesus says your efforts will be fruitless. Root yourself in Jesus. Be grafted in him. Children, tr 
trust in Jesus and ask your parents how to follow Jesus. Parents, never tire, never tire of training your kids in the ways of the Lord. And those who, I just want to point this out, those who are single, you have a unique and special place in the body to be influential adults to the kids here in your sphere. You see, research says, and we've, we've mentioned this many times, that if a kid has at least five adults outside their parents that's investing in them, they have a significantly higher chance of becoming mature, healthy adults. You can share your life and learnings with kids, kids not your own, in this community and become one of those five people. Let's raise our kids to trust Jesus, to be rooted in him, and to be fruitful. But the question is, natural question is, what does fruit look like? Jesus says, and this is our second point, we will bear much fruit when we keep God's commands. When we keep God's commands. When we remember and actually do what God commands, fruit will be born out of these actions. So, for example, just kind of playing off some of the Ten Commandments. When we claim Jesus is the one true God in a culture with many gods, but also a culture of relative truth, people consider, they begin to consider, even if they fight it, they consider the authority of Christ. That is fruit. When we hold everything in our lives with an open hand, refusing to make idols, submitting only to God, then people consider Christ because of our sacrifice and our devotion to him. They wonder why we would do that. This is fruit. When we resist actions such as adultery, judgmentalism, gossip, and greed, we show restraint out of devotion and respect for God. This bears fruit. But the command that Jesus gives us in John 15 for all of us to follow is this. John 15, 17. Love each other. Love each other is the command he gives us. This comes out of Leviticus 19.18, which is one of the greatest two commandments that Jesus will give to us. You know, Leviticus. Who reads Leviticus, right? But Leviticus 19.18 says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We follow that, right? That's important to us. That's one of the two greatest commandments. That whole chapter in Leviticus is about how to love your neighbor and who your neighbor is. It says in that chapter, immigrants and strangers are our neighbors. So a little, a little further down in that chapter, 19, uh, 33 through 34, it says this. When immigrants live in your land with you, you must not cheat them. Any immigrant who lives with you must be treated as if they were one of your own citizens. You must love them as yourself because you were immigrants in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord. So to love immigrants as our own, to love them as our neighbor, just like we want to be loved, is to keep God's commands. There is fruitfulness in this. There is fruit in keeping all the commands. This is how we will show we follow Christ, by being fruitful in these ways, especially when it comes to loving other people. Loving our neighbor is not love. 
is not a conservative worldview. It's not even a liberal worldview. It's a biblical worldview. And we are people striving to live out a biblical worldview. That's why Bethany this week decided to donate $10,000 to our local partner, World Relief, who is working with asylum seekers to provide legal representation to dramatically increase their chances of safe passage to the U.S. from the persecution they're fleeing. Asylum seekers are not just being held at the southern border between California and Mexico, out of sight, out of mind. No, there is an ICE facility in Tacoma, close enough to be involved, close enough to make a difference. And if you want to get involved in the effort, you could, you could just Google World Relief Asylum Seekers and click on that first link and you'll see a way to be involved. For many of us, though, we feel overwhelmed being called to an activity like this because we say, how can I possibly make the difference that that situation needs? And, and that's fair because the truth is, is that your individual participation is not going to make, the, it cannot make the change. But perhaps God is not calling you to be and make the difference. Perhaps he's just calling you to be obedient. This is what Ezekiel is calling for. This is what Jesus is calling for. Look at what the obedience of a few has created at North. You see, they didn't make the difference. God made the difference. They were simply obedient and did what God asked them to do. God is always faithful to the obedient. God knows it is beyond our natural abilities to keep his commandments and accomplish what he asks us to do. He's aware that it is beyond us, and I think that's intentional. God asks us to do impossible things, I think, on purpose so that we will rely on God. So that, in that way, I believe that God, and this is our third point, God invites us to ask for more. Ask for more. In John 15, 7, Jesus says to the faithful who are grafted onto him, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What does Jesus want to do for you? Ephesians 3.14 says this, I, Paul, pray that out of the Father's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. The Father wants you to ask for whatever you need to help you obediently do that which God is asking you to do, but all through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to ask him for the power and the presence of the Spirit, for the gifts of the Spirit, so that you can go and do that impossible thing that God is asking you to do. He's literally just waiting for you to open your eyes to the goodness that he has promised you and the presence and the power so that you may do what is, it is not in your strength to do. And in truth, I'm praying that at this moment, those of you who are not serving, serving God's church or serving God's world, that, you are, that God is putting a burden on your heart now. 
Now, there are those who are literally, they, they cannot serve more than they can. They are at the capacity for serving in their lives. And I recognize that, and I'm thankful and grateful to you for all that you do. So I'm not speaking to you right now. I'm speaking perhaps to those who simply attend Bethany without serving it in a particular way. My prayer now is that a a burden is being put on your heart to serve God's church. With some staff out resting, which we just celebrated now, and other staff uh, potentially transitioning this summer, it's an important time for you to begin serving. We need people who love kids and youth to be owners of a classroom to make a particular age group and classroom yours on Sunday to own a classroom. And we have signups here in the lobby today. We need people with hearts for welcoming and food hospitality. We need faithful ushers to hand out bulletins and take tithe. We need passionate prayer team members to soak this community in prayer. We need dedicated communion attendants so somebody is there on communion Sunday to look you in the eye and say, this is the body and the blood of Christ. And we need capable musicians to lead musical worship. And maybe the one you've heard over and over, but we need people who love to be physical, to set up and to tear down this church. We are a mobile church. And you know how that gets done if this body doesn't do it? This staff who served you spiritually and materially on Sunday bucks up, packs it up at the end of the day. This is God's church, your local church. So don't ask what your church can do for you Come on, finish it. It landed. I wasn't sure. <laughs> it's a playful way to say, this is, this is your church, so serve. Come visit us at the welcome table afterwards if you want to find out how. We'd love to direct you. But as I said earlier, we're going to have mission moments throughout the summer. And we're going to talk about ways that you can serve God's world. There are great needs all over the place outside the church. You do not need to solve all those problems. You just need to be obedient. When we serve God's world, we are keeping God's commands and we're putting on display for the world the fruit of God, which is attractive to many so that they may follow Jesus Christ. So when you serve the world, you are literally witnessing with your hands and with your feet to who Jesus Christ is. So as we talk about missions moments this summer, I call you to to be aware of what the Spirit is putting in your heart and to act obediently upon that. So this summer, let's ask for more Spirit from God, receiving spiritual gifts which help us serve God's church and God's world. How will the world know that you follow Jesus? It's by bearing fruit that shows that you follow Jesus. It's in the actions. It's in the obedience. So two applications coming out of today. One, be rooted in Christ. So I would ask you, even kids, this is an important moment. If if you are desiring to follow Christ, if you want to know who Jesus is, if you want to bear fruit from him, Ask your parents, how do I follow Jesus? How do I get rooted in Jesus? 
Invite them to pray with you. Invite them to lead you. And adults, if, this is a, if, if you have strayed from being rooted in Christ, now is an opportunity to, to say, I want to be rooted. I want to be fruitful, but I need to first be rooted. Call upon your Father, and He will be faithful and good to you. So be rooted in Christ is one application. And the other is to serve and pray for fruit. So I would ask you, what is God calling you to do? Because where faith is actually formed is not in the words, it's in the actions. It's actually in the service that our faith is forged. So what is God calling you to do? To serve God's church, to serve God's world, to be obedient to that, and to pray for fruitfulness. So as the band comes forward, and uh, our prayer team as well, who will be available for you during this time. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we want to be rooted in your son, Jesus Christ. Though at times we're not exactly sure what that means, how that looks, how that feels, Lord God, I believe that you are putting it in the hearts of many now about what that does look like, what that service might look like, so that they may be grafted onto you and that they may become fruitful, not for their own sake, not for their own glory, Lord, but so that it may be a witness to others. This is how the Father loves us. And so we will love each other that way. Lord God, would you uh, uh, help us in this time, in this transition time, as we support those who are resting, those who have led us? Would you pull us even tighter together in unity as a body who is still desiring to see the transformation of Shoreline, who is still desiring to see the transformation of this body. Lord God, would you put your spirit into us, invigorating us for this season ahead, for we know you are faithful. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand together. Let us stand and worship and sing out our praises to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.